and the Crested Butte. Gorgeous, right? So I've been spending all summer, you guys have been there a lot. I've been spending all summer scouting. And then just last Saturday, to, you know, not yesterday, but the Saturday before, was the opening day of the tag. So once you get a license, you have to you know, wait until the, the season opens. And I have till like October 14th to hunt for this moose. So I spent the whole week uh, up, up until like a couple days ago when I came home hunting for moose. And it was incredible. I put on like 80 miles I only changed my underwear twice, and I shot zero moose, and I feel so alive. I feel great. Like, seriously, like, I, I just went all over these mountains looking for a needle in the haystack. We saw moose every day. I had a couple friends with me. You guys, you guys are so kind. You guys are so kind because you're like, how's the moose hunt? Everybody's asking me, how's the moose hunt? Because you guys care for me as, as your pastor, which is really, really fun. But here's the thing. I, 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 hunting is kind of my thing. I love a lot of things in the outdoors. I came to Colorado for skiing. Um, met a girl, fell in love with her, fell in love with Colorado, and we stayed. And then just, you know, camping, fishing, like did fly fishing and guiding for years. But hunting is just kind of like big game hunting is like the pinnacle. And then to have this tag, this, this moose, to, to, to like pursue the moose is like so, I, I, I know, I'm like geeking out about you. Some of you are smiling at me and some of you are just like, I don't get it. And, and this the thing is, like, we each have our thing that we're kind of into. But I was thinking about this week, um, as I, you, you get a lot of time in the woods, and you start to think about funny things. So I'm looking for a moose, and then, you know, like a hawk will fly overhead. And I'm hiking up a mountain to look at the basins on the other side of the ridge. And this hawk just goes, you know, over to that ridge. And I'm just like, oh, what I would give to be a hawk right now. You know, it'd make my life so much easier. And then I could shape shift back, you know, like the Maui back into, you know, like me to Josh and then shoot the moose or whatever. Or like if I had a drone, but a drone's illegal, like you actually can't use drones for hunting. And then again, like there's lots of times to think when you're in the, in the woods, like you just, your mind kind of wanders. And then I started to think about, you know what I really would like is the compass that Jack Sparrow has. Okay, now I'll refresh your brain if you forgot what, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow, like, like, in fact, let's just watch this Captain Jack Sparrow clip. Give you an idea, remind you of who he is. I mean, he's got to be one of the greatest characters of all times, right? Give it up for Captain Jack Sparrow. 
like, yeah, yeah, like, like, uh, what are some of his phrases, like, why is the room always gone, you know, why is it, but why the room, you know, that kind of stuff, and then, I got a jar dirt, I got a jar dirt, and he's running around and doing all funny things, but he has, the, he has his effects, remember, he has his effects, the things that he carries all the time, he's got, like, his sword, his pistol with one shot that has, it's uh, saving for revenge, what else is, oh, his hat, and then, of course, he has this compass, if you're familiar, if, if you remember the, the storyline, he has this compass that, that doesn't point north, and people kind of make fun of him, like, what good is a compass that doesn't point north? And his, his thing is like, ah, it doesn't, I don't want it to point north. This is a compass, it's, a, it's this magical pirate compass that points to what? What you desire most. And again, I'm in the woods. I promise this is like a spiritual sermon. We'll get there in a second. But like we're in the wo- I'm in the woods. I'm walking around looking for moose. You have time to th- you have time on your hands. So I'm thinking about a lot of things. I'm like, what I'd give to have Captain Jack Sparrow's compass with me at this moment to point to what I desire most, which right now is a bull moose. It'd be like awesome. And I just like followed around until I find the, the moose and shoot the moose and you know, take it home and hoist it above my head as I preach this morning. I don't know, something like that. Like, it, it'd, it'd be fun, like, it'd be fun to have Captain Jack Sparrow's compass that points to what you desire most. And, and, and have you ever felt silly? As I'm, like, thinking about these things, I'm like, I, I know I'm on this grand adventure. I'm really grateful for it. But at the moment, I kind of felt silly. You know, I felt silly that uh, what I desire most in the world <laughs> Is this beast, this thing? We're playing. I come home and, and we're playing uh, this this game called Hot Seat with the kids this week, and it's this. It, it you pull a card and then it asks you a question, and then you answer the question. And everybody tries to guess what you an- how you answer. You think of the question in your head, and then they try to guess what the answer is. And it's like you know the question was like, what what person would would you like to spend 24 hours with right now? And everybody answers theirs, and they're like, you know, Albert Einstein or, you know, Taylor Swift or whatever in my family. And like me, I just, a bull moose. I just want a 52-inch bull moose. I want to spend 24 hours with him. We'd have a very magical day together, and then I'd shoot him, and then, then that'd be it. And, and, and it's just, I, my mind is so focused on this, but it's, it's so interesting because it's like, it's what I desire most right now. And, and you can laugh at me, and some of you are, but let me just pose the question back to you. If you had Jack Sparrow's magical compass that points to anything that you desire, that points to what you desire most, what would it point to? Would it be a, a, a location, a person, a thing, an achievement, you know, doing something, an activity, a venture, or an adventure? Would it be a certain status? It would be certain grades, certain friends. If you had Captain Jack Sparrow's magical compass that pointed to what you desired most, where would it point? See, I got you guys thinking right now. It's interesting to think about, isn't it? What do you desire most in this world? See, in this word desire has an interesting relationship to the faith of Christianity. 
Because the reality is, is for most of us, especially if you grew up in the church and if you grew up in certain kinds of churches, the idea of desire, it, like, like if you were a kid, church and what you desired probably didn't match, right? Like, like what you desired in life a lot of times maybe even went at odds with what the church taught, and so we, we kind of think in our simple brains, especially growing up, and, and maybe kids, you know, students in the room, maybe you're thinking this now, like, I don't love church because I desire this, and church doesn't seem to be about that. And here's the thing, is, is what's so interesting about this is that's not necessarily, the, the, the fact that that's true is, not, is probably a good reason to believe the church might be doing something wrong. But here, here's how we got into that pr predicament. Here's how, why this happens. is because a lot of times when we go to church, it's all about thou shalt not fill in the blank. And you're like, but that's the blank that I'd like to do, right? Thou shalt not, and there's a bunch of those. Like there's the ten of them, and then there's more. The, like you read the Bible, and there's, there's a lot of thou shalt not, right? And so we think that, that, that the church, or, and therefore God, is maybe at odds with what we actually desire most. And the, what's interesting is that, uh, like, that actually couldn't be further from the truth. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I think sums it up really, really well. He says, we are half-hearted creatures. Actually, I want to... Um, uh, before we get to that, uh, there's a phrase that he says before that. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. So, so in, when talking about our desires, C.S. Lewis would say, it's actually our desires, we, we, we might think God thinks strongly that we shouldn't have those desires, or we, that we have desires that are too strong. He's like, no, it's actually, it would seem that our God finds our desires not too strong, but actually too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot ma imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday, which is the British way of saying vacation, okay, by the sea. And then he concludes by saying this, we are far too easily pleased. What's interesting about Christianity that differs from other religions, especially like the Eastern religions, is that desire in a lot of the Eastern religions is something that we need to put aside. It's something we need to graduate from. It's something we need to move past or move beyond. But in Christianity, the Christian worldview, actually, when it comes to our desires, is that we're not supposed to do away with our desires. Our desires are actually part of the thumbprint of God in our lives that is supposed to point us to something. And here's our big idea for today. And oh, by the way, I need to pause for a second here and say that um, Edwin and I are in the middle of a series called Better Off Without Them. And you're probably thinking, where are we going with this? This is nothing to do with it. We're pausing from that series today because I wanted to do this sermon and I want to pitch something to you guys, an idea to you guys. 
Um, and so that's, we'll continue that next week. So today's sermon, today's sermon might be called the, the gospel according to Jack Sparrow, but it doesn't quite work. So I, I'm, I'm working on that. But um, this is different. The big idea for today is this. Everything you desire was created by him. We, we, that's, that's, that's what we need to, like, I, I, say this to, I say something like this to you guys a lot, that do you realize that everything that you enjoy was his idea? That was God's idea. Everything that this is kind of along those lines. Everything that you desire was actually created by him. And, and, and you're like, but wait, some of my desires get me in trouble. Just hold on to that thought, thought for a second. Everything you desire was created by him. That's the first part. The second part is this. Everything you desire was created by him because, 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 yes, Everything you desire was created by him in order to lead you to him. Everything that you desire in life, everything I desire in life, you could almost look at it as like a gift from him. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. I, I mean, that's why gratitude is such a big part of, of the Christian faith, right? is because we, we enjoy so many things. I know life is hard, and maybe you had a really hard week, but my guess is if you sat down and thought about it, even amidst this hard week, you had a good meal, you had a good laugh, you watched a good movie, you had a good night's sleep, you met with a friend that cared with you, for you. You know, all of the, like, like, there's something there this week that you enjoyed, right? And that's a gift. And the fact that we desire, in the Christian worldview, the fact that we desire these things is, is like, it, it's like a clue to the whole story. It's like the Hansel and Gretel, the, those little bread crumbs that they picked up to go to the right places. Did they go to the right place or the wrong place? Anyway, this still works. They got bread crumbs, right, to get to, to Granny's, Granny's house, Grandma's house. So, no, it is the witch's house. So it's a bad thing. So we'll take that part of the analogy out. But everything you would desire it was created by him in order like, to be a breadcrumb to bring you to him. Just stop and think about that for a second, the implications of that. Think of, just think of one thing that you enjoyed this week. Think of one thing that you desire in your life right now. Maybe you desire... To, to, to have a certain grade, to, to do well in school. Maybe you desire for a promotion at work or a certain amount of money so you can retire. Or for your health, you know, something's wrong in your health and you wish that that was resolved and you desire, maybe that's what your compass would point to, is like, Lord, I just want this to figure out, be figured out so I can live my life. A venture, ad adventure. Maybe it's a certain friendship you desire or a certain amount of fitness or a fitness goal. Or maybe it's for you if it's romance, or for maybe it's just a date. When I was in middle school, high school, I was just like, I just want a date. And like, I don't want to get married. I just want to see that I have what it takes to get a date. You know, maybe that's your desire. Maybe for you it's a child, or it's your, for your, a desire for your children to live a certain way, or to, to grow a certain way, or a house, or a, a project, or a college. Or we, like, like, think of the, like, what is it for you? What is it you desire right now? And how might that actually be something that he gave to you, was created by him, not only the thing, but the desire stirred in your heart was actually created by him. Not just for you to enjoy, but to actually lead 
towards him. Isn't that interesting to think about? Here's the thing. There's this, this guy, um, his name's um, John Piper. And he's this really conservative uh, pastor and theologian. And he writes this book called Desiring God. And in it, the very first pages of it, he, uh, he introduces this phrase called Christian hedonism. Everybody just say that. Christian hedonism. He didn't say it. Christian hedonism. Yeah, thank you. Hedonism, uh, just so you guys know, hedonism is not a word that we normally use. The hedonism is just simply the pursuit of pleasure. The, the uh, Pleasure is the highest good and proper aim of the human life. That's, that's what hedonism believes. That if it feels good, you should do that. If, if it looks good, you should go there. That's hedonism. And he, he says, he calls it, but this is Christian hedonism. And he's like, li- he said, listen, he's like, listen, you, this is inevitable. If you're going to follow Christ, if you're going to follow God, yes, that, that in parts like putting away, taking up our cross and putting away ourselves. But in reality, we can't escape because of our desires, because actually how God created us, that we desire good things for ourselves. That's actually good. That's actually from God. And so all of us are hedonists. At our own heart, we, like, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, the, why, why do we want to follow God? Because of what the good that it will take us. And here's the thing. If you're on the edge of faith or you've been on the outside of faith for a while, you, this is hard. This is maybe why you left faith. Is because you're like, no, I want good things for myself, and there's too many thou shalt nots. And what you don't realize, and maybe you're starting to realize if you're coming back to faith, you're in church today, is you're starting to realize, no, actually, maybe the best thing for me to do is to do this thing called church. Maybe the best thing for me to do is thou shalt not. Maybe I shouldn't do these things, because not because I desire them in a way, but I don't actually desire their outcomes. So if I don't do them, what it will do is bring me back to what I desire. He says this. The deepest and most enduring happiness is found only in God. See, don't, don't get me wrong here. Like those of us who are like church goers and church and God followers, you, you might think we're altruistic or we're just, you know, you're just a better person than I. Like I, I just, I want more out of life. You're, you're happier with simpler. Don't get us wrong. We actually, we're kind of junkies. Those of us who are followers of Christ, we're hedonists. We're doing this because we think it's actually the best thing that we can do for ourselves. And God doesn't think that's wrong. God God says, yeah, that's exactly why I created you. That's why there's desires in your heart so that I can fill them. It would seem that our Lord finds our, oh, no, no, sorry. The deepest and most enduring happiness, this is what John Piper says, is found only in God. that's why we follow God is because we're actually after happiness. Not from God, but actually in God is what he says. The pursuit of pleasure is a necessary part of all worship and and virtue. Did you catch that? The pursuit of pleasure, according to John Piper, is, is, is a necessary part of all worship and virtue. 
he says this, that the chief end of man is, is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. That's like this, this old catechism that, that Presbyterians, I think it's the Presbyterians say it. That the chief end, the, the purpose of, of us, of us as humans, is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. He says this, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. You want to glorify God? John Piper would say, be satisfied in him. Find your satisfaction in him. Find your delight. Come and enjoy him. Then he'll be worshipped. I, I get this picture of a, of a man or a woman who's in love and, and creates like this scavenger hunt, right? With all these clues along the way. And maybe these clues are even gifts, fine gifts along the way, like, you know, like a, a, a string of pearls or a fly rod or, you know, whatever it is, you know, like, like all these different things along. You know what I'm saying. But there's all these things along the way, but at the end of the scavenger hunt is not a prize. It's the groom. It's the bride. It's the person that you desire the most. It's not about the things. You enjoy the, along the way. That's what the Christian life is, is, is enjoying these things that God has given us, but not just for those things, but in the end so that we get to be with him. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about your desires that way? And my goal for today is, is, is pretty simple. It's to make junkies out of us. And, and by junkies, I mean like, like a junkie is like an addict. Somebody who's addicted to something, uh, uh, it could be, this is a definition I found, a person with a compulsive habit, or catch this, obsessive dependence on something. My goal is to make us obsessively dependent on him to point us towards obsessive dependence on God. Isn't that interesting? And here's the rub, and here's why, why Christianity gets in trouble. It's because, of, again, all of those, those uh, thou shalt nots, but it's also this, this is, and this is why maybe you've been at odds with Christianity in the past, is the reason that Christians get in trouble is we're not afraid to call a spade a spade sometimes. We're not afraid to say, hey, that desire that you have, you're fulfilling it in a way that's, that, that's harmful to you. It's hurting you. It's getting the best of you. And that's why we say, don't do that. You're, 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 you're a junkie in the wrong way. And that's where all the thou shalt nots have come from. But when our desire is God himself, our desires find their right place in our lives. If you have a desire that's out of control right now, Try submitting it to the Lord and try making him the end of your desire and see what happens. But I'm getting ahead of myself. What I want to do with the rest of our time, and honestly, I don't have that much more, is I want to look at the Psalms. Because the Psalms, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but the Psalms are basically just a bunch of junkies. I'm going to need that, by the way. The Psalmists are just a bunch of junkies, especially David. This, it, this is great. Psalm 37.4. Actually, turn in your Bibles. You've got Bibles around you. Turn to Psalm 119 because that is like the ultimate junkie psalm. We'll get there in a minute. But as you're turning there, I want to just remind you of a few other psalms. 
a few other things that the psalm is saying. I don't have um, this on the board, but just let me read these to you. Uh, psalm 119 is on page, somebody wanted to shout it out in the 610. It should be like dead center. I think it's the dead center of the Bible, but I'm not sure about that. Psalm 37, before we get to Psalm 119, says this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will, and, and I don't know, before you came into church today, if I said, finish this phrase, take delight in the Lord, and he will fill in the blank. What would you might have said? And he will make you like him. Take delight in the Lord, and, and he will make you righteous, right? That sounds biblical, right? Listen to what it says, Psalm 37, 4 says this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? God wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants, yes, he wants to make you like him. He wants to lead you in the path of righteousness. Why? Because that's the path of life. That's the path where we get to the desires of our hearts. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says this, As the deer pants for streams of water. You guys maybe have heard this one before. So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for, my, for the living God. When, I, when can I go and meet with God in a dry and thirsty land? That's Psalm 42. One more, Psalm 34, and then we'll get to Psalm 119. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The psalmists are just, they're like, like, like writing love letters to God. Like, I, I, the, my heart's desire is you. I've tasted and I've seen that you are good. Now, Psalm, psalm 119 is the longest single chapter in the whole Bible. I'm right at, by that, right? Isn't that the longest one? It is so long, it's ridiculous. It's kind of like this. We were listening to Jim Gaffigan the other day, and he did a 10-minute bit on horses. And, and it's hilarious. Like, he's got you the whole time because he's talking about horses, and you're like, is he still talking about horses? And, and you're like, oh, he's got to be done now. And then he makes another horse joke. He's like, horse people, aren't they crazy? And you're like, you're just like, how do you do this? How do you pull this off? That's Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is ridiculously long, and I think it was on purpose. I think it was to the point where, like, David, you, like, the rest of the Psalms, you know, they're about this long. Psalm 119 is, like, this long, right? And this is in a day and age when paper was, like, really expensive. And they're like, David, this is ridiculous. And he's like, yes, it is ridiculous. Because God is so ridiculous. I, I just, I got to write this long letter about him. And it's not just about him. The whole thing is about what? His word. Catch this. We're going to pick up in Psalm 94. Psalm 119, 90, verse 94. It goes to like 176, okay? We're going to pick up uh, 94. And it says this. Oh, how I love your law. Again, if you were to come into church and be like, Okay, it, fill in this, the blank for this verse. God, oh, how I love your love, mercy, grace, creativity. You, like, like you would fill it in with all sorts of different things, right? And it would be appropriate. David writes, oh, how I love your law, the thou shalt not, the thou shall. The, oh, I'm on page 613, verse 97. 
Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day, uh, all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me stronger than my enemies. And then I want you to pay attention. In these next few verses, just even you can look at it on the screen or you look at it in your Bible. Look at how self-centered these verses are. I have, I have, I have. This is a psalm to the Lord from a Christian hedonist from a junkie, from somebody who loves God because he's worth loving, but also he loves God because of what he gets out of it. Pay attention to this. Verse 99, I have more insight than all of my teachers. Students, sounds good, right? For I meditate on your, on your statutes. I have more understanding than my elders. I, I am wise beyond my years, David would say, for I obey your precepts. I know what you've called me to do in life, and I do them. I obey them, and because of that, I'm wise beyond my years. I have kept my feet from every good, uh, every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. David, David I mean, you could sum up David. David, we could say, you know, God, you know why I love you? You know why I love your law? Because of where it takes me. Because I, I, I get this life out of it. I get what I desire out of life when I follow your law. Let me, let me just ask you this. Let me just, has this ever been your attitude or your posture towards God's word? You know, has this ever been your, your attitude and your posture towards God? Lord, I love you because of how much you love me and because of the life that I get out of it. But has it ever been your posture towards his word? Have you ever met somebody who reads the Bible a lot? Have you ever met somebody who, who prays a bunch? Have you ever met somebody who, who like, does the, the spiritual disciplines a bunch? <laughs> I, I paid him to say that. Five bucks. Five bucks later. Have you ever met somebody who just loves to do the godly stuff and thought, what's wrong with them? Or why can't I be like that? Like, and, and here's the deal. Let me just give you a little tip. Let me, let me just tell you what's going on there. They're junkies. They're, they're not doing it because they should do it. They're doing it because they love it. They're doing it, and, and, and it's not that every day they wake up and it's so fulfilling and enthralling, like it's not like that every day, but, they're, they're, but they just know that if they hang around long enough and they do these things, there will be a life that comes out of it because they get connected with their creator in a way that they wouldn't otherwise. 
And so they're coming back for another hit. They desire God. They desire life. And they've, they've figured out that the best way to life is through God. And that's it. Have you ever looked at it that way? Have you ever had that experience? I, I bet that maybe for, for a lot of us, we've had pockets of time. We've had moments of times, you know, like maybe even a moment underneath the stars where we're looking up and we feel a connection with God. Or a time where we're listening to a sermon or reading the scripture and you're like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I need today. It's like it's written to me. The people who do the disciplines are people who have experienced that enough to say, that's what I want. And guys, if you're here today and you're like, that's not me, I wish that was me, I hate this phrase, but I think it's the right one. The disciplines are kind of one of those things you got to fake it till you make it. You just got to go for it. You, gotta, you just got to trust the people who are on the other side that are getting something out of it. You just got to try it. Chrissy and I have been doing this, this thing in the last couple months. I've, been tell, I've told you guys about it. That, and, you know, I, I, can take, uh, I can't take credit for this because it, it was her idea and, and she's the one. Okay, so we pray every morning. We wake up at like 6.30 and we pray for 30 or 40 minutes together. And when I say every morning, it comes out to what, three or four times a week with traveling and sleeping in and, and all those different things. And it's just one of those things that's like, it's funny to say because it's like a pastor is like, hey, this is a great idea. What if we prayed every day? <laughs> you know, like it's like, isn't that kind of one-on-one? And it is. And, and I'm ashamed to say like when we came to that, when we first came to that prayer time, what came in my mind was I want to do this until we see something happen through prayer. Something that I can only explain that, you know, like this happened just because we've been praying. And I'm ashamed to say I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for, I don't know, 10 or 20 years now. And I, I, haven't ha I can't, can't point to a time where, like, that's, that's, that happened back, you know, back in Ot 6 or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, a time when we prayed and something came through prayer. And I'm like, no, I, I want that to happen. But one of the things that, that Christy has been talking about was how, as, as Christians, a lot of times we're faithful, but we're not disciplined. And let me explain, that, that, that a lot of times we're faithful. Yes, God, I believe in you. Yes, God, I, I, I maybe even say, God, I want more of you. God, I'm not going to give up on you. God, I'm going to keep going and keep believing and keep doing this thing. And we're faithful. But we're not all that disciplined. We're not waking up and praying. We're not opening the word, even though the word is for, for, for David was like honeycomb to his lips. We know that that can be, but that's not been our experience, so we don't do that. And guys, I, I think it's just one of those things that God wants us to be, yes, faithful, but he's also called us to be disciplined. Students, if you're like, you're coming into this time in your life, where faith is maybe, you're like, I want faith to be a part of my life. You want it to be a part of your real life? Don't just be faithful. Don't just be like, yes, I believe this. Start pursuing this disciplined on your own. Start reading the word. And if it doesn't make sense, go ask somebody. If you're praying and your mind wanders, go and pray. Go find somebody else to pray with and make it happen. That's what junkies 
do. We're going to give you an, an opportunity next month, um, starting on October 11th. Oh, I was going to make a slide for this, and I didn't. So you just have to remember this or write this down. October 11th every is a Wednesday night. For six weeks, we're going to meet at Chris Donoff's house. Uh, Rebecca Hargis is going to lead it. Um, and we're going to do a, a, just a study on the disciplines. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about, I don't, we're not quite sure. We're going to figure that out in the next couple weeks as to the different disciplines. If that's something that you want in on, please come talk to Rebecca or myself today, and we'll get you signed up. Uh, we'll do it for, it's for six weeks. It goes from October 11th to right before Thanksgiving, 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. every Wednesday. Um, I hope you want in. And really, all this is, all the disciplines are, it's just the people, the people who do the disciplines are the people who say, yeah, I love church, but that is not enough. Because guys, guess what? It's not enough. It is, as much as I love this place, I love being with you, this fellowship is life-changing, what our kids is learning is life-changing, worship is life-changing, opening the word, and sometimes the preaching even can be life-changing. It's not enough. And junkies say, yeah, I want more than that. I, I want more than just a hit on Sunday. I want it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's, it's people who are just like, I, I just want more. And if you want more, or if you're new to faith, or you're coming back to faith, and, and you like maybe had a, a try at faith, and you're like, I want to try a different way, this might be it. Come with us along this journey where we explore the disciplines. And if you can't make it, do that. If you can't do that, grab your spouse, grab a friend, and do it on your own, but do something. Because that desire in your heart, what you actually desire most, is him, is a connection with him. Because here's the thing, I was thinking about this week, that friendship that you, like if you had that compass right now, and it, you know, like my bull moose, that'll fade. That, that experience will be done, and I'll be out beyond that, and I'll be like, okay, now what? And, and students, you, know, you get good grades, and you, you, you get a good GPA coming out of high school, and there'll come a time, and that's important, and you should pursue that. That's a good desire in your heart, but there comes a point in time that fades. And the money that we make and the promotions that we get and the achievements that we do, those fade. All of it will come and go. And what remains? Him. Put that, put that big idea back up on, on the board. All that remains at the end is him. Everything you desire was created by him in order to lead you to him. Let's pray. God, I just uh, thank you for moments in my life where you just kind of break through and help me see things clearly. I, 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 I chase the wrong things, Lord, so much in my life. I've, that's like a story between you and me is how much I've chased things other than you. And in your kindness and your graciousness, you've kind of just given me space to pursue those things and then just kind of come back to you at the end. And I thank you for that. Thank you for your graciousness in my life. And I thank you for the graciousness that you have in my friend's life as well. 
Help us to realize that the desires in our heart are meant to be there to point to you. And I pray that every single person, every single soul in this room will be able to find their fulfillment and satisfaction finally and only in you. I pray all this in your name. Amen.